sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour you'll find them at the back of the range and here's your host ben adelberg and welcome to the back of the range i am your host ben adelberg this is episode 285 I am getting ready to head out of town to see some family, my annual Christmas trip where I eat way too much food and fight off my cousins for cherry pies and desserts and all sorts of things I shouldn't be eating. But, you know, this year it's about five below in Lawrence, Kansas, and it's blowing 20. So I don't know when or how I'm getting out of the state of Florida, but instead of worrying about that, let's get some housekeeping done and get another great episode underway here at the back of the range. Before getting to this week's guest, congratulations to Rex Hargrove for capturing the 2022 Jones Cup Junior Invitational title last week at Sea Island. His final round 65 was good enough to outlast Billy Davis and Kihei Kina. He is now exempt into the 2023 Jones Cup Invitational, which will be held next month at Ocean Forest. Huge accomplishment by Rex. I look forward to seeing him again after the first of the year, especially to see how he stacks up against the best amateurs in the world. 2023 is a Walker Cup year, and the Jones Cup is traditionally the first major amateur tournament of the year. So this is where it all starts. The majority of the players that attended the U.S. Walker Cup team winter practice session last week in South Florida, they are competing at the Jones Cup Invitational. The back of the range will be there. Make sure you are following along on social media and give Jones Cup Invitational a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Lots of things in the works here for 2023, but over on Instagram, I'm counting down the top 10 memories of 2022. Summer episodes, tournaments, people that I've been able to meet. So go check that out. And also remember, every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. That's where you can find your merch. So go ahead and check that out before the end of the year. My guest on this episode of the Back of the Range is Harold Maude III. But nobody calls him Harold. He's just Tug. I think the first time that I saw Tug was at this year's Gasparilla Invitational in Tampa, Florida. Was he on the range? (laughs) No, no. Um, Was he having breakfast or getting some last minute stretching in before heading to the tee? No, no, not, not, no, he wasn't doing that either. My first sighting of Tug Maud was of him standing on the roof of the clubhouse at Palmasia drinking a beer with Chip Brook. Yes, that is Tug Maud in his element, the finely tuned athlete on the verge of greatness. This episode has just about everything in it. We spoke about his start in the game at Marion, his remarkable professional career, and by remarkable, I mean short-lived and underwhelming. And then finally, we get into the good stuff. The mid-am life that Tug has carved out for himself is incredible. He's playing in the Coleman and the Crump, you know, the big boy events of the mid-amateur cocktail circuit. And this is just the absolute perfect fit for a guy like Tug. He doesn't like to practice. He doesn't like to stretch. He enjoys a cocktail or two. And from what I've heard from his fellow mid-ams, you really won't even realize it until after you've, you know, finished your second or third post-round drink with Tug, you won't even realize it that he probably clipped you by a couple. And you don't even care. I mean, it's Tug. What would you expect, right? Let's get this episode started. Tug, you're at the back of the range. Finally, how are you? Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I I feel that, um, I mean, you know, I don't know the direction of this episode quite yet, but I can say that you are easily top three, uh, top three voices of guests uh, uh, this year. Easy. I mean, just the the baritone, just the deepness. You got it. So you're as long as you just keep talking as much as possible, I think this is going to be a great conversation. That's perfect. I, I typically uh tend to talk more than the other person so this is gonna be great i just i'm just paid to listen really i just point you in the right direction my work here this is gonna be very very minimal this is a low calorie episode on my end of the microphone so this is gonna be great um you have had an incredible 2022 of golf experiences that any mid-am senior am any golfer would look at that 
Well, truthfully, Tug, they're going to look at you and be like, man, that asshole, he didn't even work for a living, does he? But you do. You do work. We'll get into that. How was your Thanksgiving? I know you've had a lot of travel in, in this this fall, but how was Thanksgiving? What What's the last week or, or so been like for you? You know, everyone's going to be a little bit mad, but that just plays more into my, you know, my sort of, uh, you know, evil uh, sort of mentality, especially on the golf course. Everyone's really scared of me. Uh, no, so the, okay. the Thanksgiving... <laughs> The, the Thanksgiving break, it was nice. I, I'd played, I guess, uh, four straight weeks kind of overseas and all over the country. And uh, it was nice to take a little bit of time off, spend some time with my kiddos, my parents, my grandmother uh, in Hilton Head. And I did play golf one time, uh, which was not as much uh, or not as stressful as maybe some of the other tournaments I'd played in. But uh, I did lose to my dad, unfortunately, but he's a bit of a sandbagger. So uh, other than that, it was pretty low key. We had a lot of fun. Um, ate a lot of good food and spent some quality time with family. You mentioned you lost to your dad. Your dad is Harold Maud the second. You are Harold Maud the third. Who? I'm, I'm guessing this is your dad giving you the nickname of Tug. <laughs> I need to. I need to learn about that. And also, after you tell me how you got your nickname. You're going to need to tell me uh, what Harold Maud the Fourth's nickname is. So I, I know, yeah, I see what's happening here. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to make sure uh, I brought it up as well, especially after hearing your interview with Chip and meeting Ace. Yes, right after Chip beat me at the Gasparilla, and I was laughing because my son is the fourth. We went that route. I don't think my bank account's big enough to do it, like Chip mentioned, but right. Uh, I not wait for driver my son to hopefully play against ace in some future golf tournaments and hopefully driver can get the better of of that brook uh but no so my my grandfather was harold he went by ted my dad goes by pete his mother's maiden name was peterson and the long story short my grandparents friend thought i was going to be a really fat baby with a huge gut the guy wanted to call me gut and they ended up reversing it and getting tugged. So that was that was my nick. <laughs> I've I've said that story every day from you know pre kindergarten all the way through senior year of college. First day of every class is Harold Maud here, and I had to raise my hand and say I go by Tug, and I had to I had to relay that story every single day of every first class my entire life. Well, you tell the story in a fantastic way. So I mean, I I, I really don't feel bad because. I'm looking, you know, because immediately as a, as a golf guy, I'm thinking, okay, this is kind of like, like, like uh, Chip Lutz, you know, Chip Lutz and and Wedge and and Putter, those are his two brothers, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, there has to be some. I'm immediately thinking golf, like especially since you your your son Harold Maud the Fourth, you na- named him Driver, his nickname is Driver, so I'm thinking, okay, Tug, I mean, you know, now I, I can't even remember. Do you do you draw or fade draw or fade the ball? I, I kind of tend to fade it. Uh, just depends on the day. But uh, now I'm glad you went that direction, golf, and not uh, a more lewd. Hey, way, listen uh, now. Listen, Harold. Harold, this is a family friendly <laughs> podcast here. I don't even know yeah. what you're talking about. Um, you know, I mean, some. T- I mean, are you talking about like like some sort of like a tug of war thing, like some or like a rope yeah. joke? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. No, exactly. More of the tug of war. Uh, that, that was where that joke was going. I uh, understand. Yeah. Yeah, no, but so so uh, I just got to put this in because my daughter will kill me because she's going to listen to this. Her name is Davis, and uh, that's my ex-mother-in-law's maiden name. Um, we thought that was a really cool name for a girl. Okay. And so we gave our friends the same sort of you know instructions that my parents gave, which was, hey, come up with a nickname for Harold the Fourth. And two, two different people came up with Driver independently. They thought that fit well with Davis. There's an IV in the middle of for the fourth and you know golf the whole thing. So that that's how we that's how we ultimately ended up with driver. Uh, so Davis and driver. Davis is nine and uh, driver's four. So it's pretty fun. And driver basically has no choice but to either get into golf or into NASCAR, I guess. So there's two choices yeah. there. Two choices, but I think he might be a football player. He's he's a pretty big kid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There's the story of that. I figured we had to start there. Um, normally here at the back of the range, we start with how do you get into golf? But we got to get, we, I'm glad you uncovered the mystery of, of the nickname. So we got that out of the way. Um, 
most of the guests here, when they start getting into the game of golf, it's a parent, it's a, it's an uncle, it's a friend, it's somebody, you know, maybe the kids in the neighborhood and you, you tag along and go to the, you know, what's golf? And you just start whacking a ball around. Um, I think you're the first person on the podcast that cut their teeth in junior golf and learning the game at Marion. Now, when I think of Marion, I think of Hogan. I think of Trevino. I think of the U.S. Open and, and most recently the Curtis Cup. I, for you know, I'm not thinking that they have a junior golf program. I'm not thinking there's a band of kids running around that place, you know, stealing candy bars and jumping into the pool and, and breaking rules, just because you don't think of a place like that in in that term. But that was basically your upbringing in golf, just learning golf at Marion. That that was uh, first to admit, totally spoiled. Um, oh boy. We, we moved from Atlanta to Philadelphia in 91. Braves went worst to first that year, so I'm a lifelong Braves fan. I'm a lifelong Braves fan, so we're getting along famously. I was a Braves fan back in the 80s when they were real shit. I mean, Dale Murphy, Claudel Washington, Bruce Benedict days. So if you want to go, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, I think we just became best friends. I, I agree. We can go there as deep as you want. Okay. Dale Got traded to the Phillies, left fielder, number three, my favorite player in the 80s. Again, they were terrible. Yes. When he got traded to the Phillies and we moved to Philadelphia, it was very easy for me to root for him, but also remain a Braves fan. So, yeah. And that, that started their run, which obviously I got picked on a lot, you know, in third grade because I was a big Braves fan. But yeah. uh, no, so so we, we moved. We moved there. I didn't play golf. I played every other sport growing up. Baseball was by far my best sport. Um and then all of a sudden, uh, I guess we joined Marion in 95 or 96, and I started playing uh, in 96 when I was 13. So that, that's where I learned. We had two golf courses, the championship golf course, which everyone knows from you know the USAM, US Open, things like that. Uh, and then the West course, which is a little bit shorter, fit, more family-friendly. And, yeah, I just basically got dropped off at the golf course every, every day during the summer, and uh, my younger brother, Dan, as well, and we would just play golf all day long. And, uh, I, I believe I went from, you know, 130, 140, whatever for the first time, um, to eventually breaking par that later that summer. And my dad didn't believe me. And we went out to the West course and I shot 68, two under with him. And all of a sudden I was like, well, shoot, you know, maybe I should play a little bit more golf, try to get into it. So that, that's how it started. And it was a very quick, uh, you know, total homemade, figure out how to get in the hole as quickly as possible right. type of type of thing. So this was not a, this is more like, well, um, we need to put him somewhere this summer and we're a member of this club. Let's just kind of get him off the streets, give him something to do. And then you just fell in love with it. But what was the junior golf culture like at a place like Marion? Cause I'm thinking again, not to, I'm not trying to put Marion in a bad light, but I'm thinking this is kind of a buttoned up joint. You know, this is, you know, what kind of a, junior golf summer golf experience do you have there great question and we we really did not have a junior program at the time um so it, it literally was just my mom dropping my brother and i off at the driving range and we'd, we'd catch a ride with somebody you know who could drive over to the west course and we'd spend all day there um but luckily some of the you know fellow kind of young players at the time, their parents said, hey, we should do a junior program and, and kind of started a grassroots program. And it's really strong. Now. It's really, you know, Marion's been incredible to me in uh, a lot of different ways. But um, they have really embraced junior golf and, and kind of helping foster that type of environment for young upcoming players. And I'm telling you, if, if I did play in the, in the junior club championship now, I probably wouldn't win. I mean, the players were that strong. Yeah. Um, I met John Sawin, uh, who I know, you know, is, you know, my closest friend, um, on the driving range at Marion. And luckily I convinced him to stop focusing on lacrosse and squash and, you know, play some golf. And I think that's turned out well for him also. So I, I think you should get most of the credit for that. Don't you? I take all the credit. You know. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think Pebble beach has a strong lacrosse program for him to run. Um, no, no it, it's, it's. And it's been very, golf's been very good to, to both of us and, uh, you know, all the people that you've interviewed on this. It's just an incredible game. It's opened up a ton of doors. Yeah. John, John is currently, I, I can't remember off the top of my head his exact title at Pebble Beach, but um, he's not exactly a starter or a caddy master. He's, he's, he's a pretty big deal and he'll be at the back of the range uh, 
uh, well before the U.S. Women's Open heads out there next summer. Um, I, I have to ask, I mean, I'm a kind of a Hogan guy, at 1950 U.S. Open, the shot he hit on the 18th fairway to, to force the playoff, and actually f- photographer High Peskin took that photo. I want to make sure I put his name out there in the world as much as possible. How many times have you tried to recreate that shot as a member at Marion? I mean, can you walk down the 18th fairway without at least thinking about it? Or, I mean, how does that kind of weave into your experience there on a day-to-day basis? It, it's, you know, again, totally spoiled. Pinch yourself every time, you know, you step on the first tee. And then by the time you get to the 18th tee, you're either, you know, crying because you played poorly and it got you got beat up or, you know, you, you got a good round going and all of a sudden you try to keep it together on the 18th hole. It's such a, such a difficult hole, such an iconic hole. Half the time I'm so far right in the right rough. I don't even see the plaque, but yeah. when I do, when I do somehow manage to hit the fairway, uh, it is pretty special to, to walk up to it. Obviously, um, there's a few divots around. They, they have asked, you know, guests to not drop a ball and try to replicate it. But if you go out late enough, you're okay. I would imagine that one of the worst parts of being a guest at Marion, showing up and being a guest at Marion, is missing the fairway at 18. You could you could be 15 over par. You could be having the worst day, but if you could just stripe one on 18 and hit a shot in the vicinity of that plaque, that's all you're asking for as a guest at Marion that day. P- pretty much. And if you if you do hit the fairway and you do hit the green, you're probably one of three or four people that entire day to do it. It, it is such a difficult hole. Wow. And, you know, it's it's one of those where, you know, if you make a birdie or two every year, you feel pretty good about yourself. Do you so, remember your best shot of uh, uh, best approach on 18? Uh, I, I do. It was, I think, last year, 2021, State Am. Uh, everyone <laughs> who was there knows because I talked about it for 10 straight groups. Uh, from the right, <laughs> on the bit on a bit of a flat spot, the only flat spot on that fairway. Uh, I had 194, hit a like seven iron front right, kind of rolled all the way back to the back left to about I don't know four feet, missed the putt, but I didn't care. Uh, and it was slightly um, uh, uh, superseded uh, a couple groups later when I'm drawing a blank. The gentleman who is now at Duke. Uh, he holed out from 196, same spot with an eight iron to win the state am. Uh, it was pretty incredible. So that that was probably my best shot into 18. But you know, very quickly after, got humbled uh, when somebody made it from the same spot. Yeah, well, that's still uh, that's still a hell of a shot. Um, but yeah, if someone's going to hole out an 18 at Marion, that's uh, yeah, they're tug who what what happened? Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty pretty much. Yeah, that's, sorry, that's okay though. That's okay. Um, so you you start kind of climbing the ranks, and I guess you get to this point, and you go to you go to Wake Forest, and here's where I need a little bit of an explanation here. So I'm I'm putting two to two together here. Um, you know, I'm putting two to two together. You're 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 Pennsylvania guy. I mean, Atlanta guy, but you're you're in Pennsylvania. You're a member at Marion, and you're gonna go play college golf, or you're gonna go to Wake Forest. And immediately, everyone must be thinking, okay, this is just basically a redo of Arnold Palmer. He's a Latrobe guy who goes to Wake. Um, I don't think you hit a golf shot at Wake Forest, did you? Oh, no, I, I hit some. Oh, okay. too many. I hit too many. Uh, okay, but so no, I, I, what, what happened there? Why, why aren't you in the Wake Forest record books? Well, first of all, I, I, I feel like I'm often compared to Arnold Palmer, so I'm glad you, put, you wow. threw that one in. Okay. That happens very often. Hap- happens a lot? Okay. All yeah. Right. yeah. That happens a lot. Uh, no, so I I did not play you know, AJGA-type events. Um, I think I, I played some state and state open-type things in Pennsylvania. I was still playing all the other sports. Uh, ended up going down to Wake, Coach Haas sort of, had heard about me via some some people in the Philly area. Um, and so kind of came down as a quote-unquote recruited walk-on. I did not make the team. I, I practiced a little bit my freshman year. Had two knee surgeries, but frankly, I just – I was not good enough to compete, uh, you know, with, with Bill Haas and Chad Wilfong and, and uh, ultimately Webb, Kyle Reif- Webb Simpson, Kyle Reifers, guys like that, um, which was fine. I, I, I didn't know how to play golf yet. Um, and you know, it was super raw, just hit the ball as hard as I could and went out and found it and, 
um, was not was not good enough to play uh, on that team. But I still tried. I, I wanted to be there. It was a great school, great education, obviously. Um, but did not did not hit a shot in a tournament uh, for the Deeks. So how so? What do you do while you're there to get? I mean, because obviously your game has progressed to to a high level at the mid, at the mid amateur level, and I know that you played a little bit professionally. So what did you do to learn? how to play to a point where you then decide, okay, I, I'm going to try and play a little bit professionally. And, you know, what did you do? Because I'm thinking, like, how does someone get better in golf in college if they're not on the college golf? It's a great question. I still don't know the answer 100%, but uh, I, I I don't know. I just kept practicing, uh, you know, kind of trying to figure out it out on my own. Um you know, somehow had some success after my second knee surgery, um, you know, the summer in Philadelphia after I graduated from Wake and, uh, you know, won the Patterson Cup, which was a big deal up in that area, um, lost in the finals in the Philly Am, had some other success along the way and somehow became the player of the year uh, in the Gap Golf Association of Philadelphia. And, you know, basically didn't know what the heck I wanted to do and um, had a job interview at Marion and uh, ended up shooting a very low number that uh, impressed the interviewee who offered to write me a check to help kind of start a professional golf career. And, and from there, I played many tours for two and a half years, you know, had some success, but not a ton. And, and kind of at that point, uh, 2008, the economy was you know no, no good. And I kind of said, I, all right, I, I scratched that itch. I think it's time to focus elsewhere and from there i really didn't play another golf tournament until 2019 i tried to uh us open qualify into the 2013 you know marion us open uh, failed miserably and honestly did not play another single individual event until 2019 yeah so. i i think you know you kind of glossed over this mini tour thing i think you're really selling yourself short because you know in 2006 i you know you know basically you know year-long earnings on the minor league golf tour of 840 dollars and 75 cents and then in 2008 i mean really the highlight was winning the amelia island classic and cashing in that massive 800 hundred dollar payday on the coastal players tour so i'm not really sure what you're talking about wow um, okay first off incredible due diligence here i have a whole i have a whole team here there's a there's a whole whole team here tug i thought i got all of that scrub no i will say and this is a plug for the minor league golf tour scott turner and i just got back from from spain and we had a blast he's an awesome man as you know and uh we played against each other on the gray goose gateway tour back in the day as well as the minor league golf tour and now he he owns and runs the minor league golf tour so uh, for, for some reason, the Grey Goose Gateway Tour earnings don't show up. And so I did make more than $1,600. I do want a picture of that big check uh, for the Coastal Players Store. That was that was pretty awesome. I, 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 I will make sure I, I get that. I'll get that over to you. I'll, well, I won't. My team does. Okay. I don't even ask them what they do about this this sort of thing. But I'll, I'll reach yeah. out to them. What okay. um, do you, is there any – I mean, this is the time of your life. I mean, what do you like, 23, 24 um, you know, this is that time where nobody knows what the hell they're doing at that age. I mean, you're just kind of bopping around and really without, you know, fortunately, it sounds like the, the economy took a shit in 2008 because at least that makes the decision much, much easier of do I continue or do I not? But other than, you know, running around with Scott Turner uh, on the, on the, you know, gateway, there has to be just like the traditional mini tour story that you have. That's like, yep, this is what my life was like at that time. So there is. Um, and again, just to reiterate, I did make the Gateway Tour Championship All my right. first year. Okay. I, top All right. 30. I was top 30 on the money list. Okay. I went out to Scottsdale and watched Steve Marino uh, leave a putt for 58 on the front lip. Uh, and pretty much at that point realized I didn't have that firepower. <laughs> okay. That, that being said, uh-huh. so this mini tour story does involve John Saw when he came down to visit. He and I were playing against Brett Jones, who's a great friend. He and I actually lived together in, in Jensen Beach. Uh, he played at Louisville. Great player. Um, he, I can't remember who his partner was, but it was essentially John and I, John being an amateur in college, 
against these other two mini tour pros. We were playing at this golf course. John was out of the hole, tough par five. I tried to lay up with a six iron and I thought I pulled it into a lake. I got frustrated. I, I don't do this ever, uh, but I did uh, helicopter the golf club, but I have an interlocking grip. It, it ended up getting tugged. No pun intended. I see, a little what, bit, you, I see, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it exited a little too far left and actually went into a lake. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've just laid it up, laid up my golf ball into a lake. I just laid up my club into a lake. What the hell am I doing? So I fish around. There's gators everywhere. I can't find it. God dang it. You know, you're supposed to be this professional golfer. <laughs> what are you doing? Right. So about that night, uh, maybe had a little bit more, uh, you know, liquid courage than I wanted. I woke up first thing in the morning and went swimming in that lake with all those gators trying to find the six iron. Never found it. Uh, ended up having to buy, ultimately, a new set. Um, but to me, that sort of epitomized my my mini-tour career. The ball that I thought I laid up into the lake up ahead was not there. Uh, it, it was it was in play. Well, of and course, I, yeah, I was going to say. It's probably like in the, in, in the fairway leg. I wedged it on, made birdie. We won some money, and I lost the golf club. And that was sort of the way my mini-tour career went. Uh huh. So basically, what you're saying is that your your mental fortitude and your maturity is really what 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 kept you going those years. I, I yeah, uh, either that or lack of talent. It, it was it was some combination of the two. But I I had talked to Jay Siegel before making that decision to turn pro. His advice, uh, which you know was very sound. Hey, why don't you try to win at the you know state and national level before you make that jump? Yeah. I, I thought I knew better than, than Jay and uh, I decided to, you know, do it the way I wanted to do it. And uh, I did set a, a guardrail, you know, if I didn't make it um, up to the nationwide or PJ tour by year three, you know, pull the plug on that. And then I stuck to that. Yeah. Yeah. Jay Sigal, uh, other than the, uh, you know, back-to-back U.S. amateurs and nine Walker cups, it's hard to find a real, uh, real solid reason to listen to him, but, uh, and I'm not, you know, making funny, but if it sounds like that, it's, well, yeah, I am. So, but that's okay. Um, but, okay. but you figured out, you, you know, okay, I know my path now. So you do what, what most people do. They, they kind of get, uh, get a, get a day job and you kind of go down that road, like, all right, I'm going to need to be an adult now. And, you know, maybe I want to start a family, which you end up doing and, and you go that road. So, um, when does it actually start getting back into your life where you're like, all right, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of got myself on a, on a path, you know, and I'm, uh, you know, kids and career and stuff like that. Um, when does it start biting back at you and saying, oh, man, I'm kind of missing this. Honestly, when my daughter was born, so July of 2013, after the U S open at Marion, you know, it kind of put everything in perspective and all of a sudden, you know, playing golf again was fun. And, you know, it was a nice break from, you know, all the responsibilities that come with, you know, being up in the middle of the night and, all those sort of things and day yeah. jobs. And, and I don't know, just a, 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 you know, switch flipped and golf got a little bit easier. I, I did start working with a, a, a new coach out of uh, here in Atlanta. Who's now uh, up in Sapphire Valley, Jason chick. He, he track man was kind of, you know, was becoming a little bit more available. The stuff he was telling me actually proved out, you know, on the track man. So I couldn't argue with them anymore. And, and next thing you know, I started, playing better and i think i did a us am four ball qualifier with with john thaw and we i don't know missed by a shot or two but i realized you know okay this is fun again i can hang i'm I still kind of got a little bit of, of talent and we ended up qualifying for the four ball the next year we played at jupiter hills and i'm laughing because again listening to your interview with chip uh, you know they lost to cole and garrett in the finals and yeah John and I lost in the second round to those guys. And, you know, they both are very good, obviously, and hooped some 90-footers on us early in the round. And I left there and said, well, shoot, you know, other than those two 90-footers, I mean, we were hanging. You know, we, we should we, – I should continue to try to do this, you know, maybe on my own, keep playing with John and the four ball. But yeah. maybe, maybe it makes sense to, to get back in that arena. Ultimately got back into it at the Travis in 2019 and – um got lucky and won that and kind of from there all of a sudden had a little bit of confidence and wanted to keep doing it so you, you mentioned kind of uh the the track man and working with a coach 
and, and that's kind of one of the challenges I think a lot of mid-ams have. It's like, okay, you know, we all have the, the, the career and, and the family and the kids and we have all this time. So time is very valuable. That's the most valuable commodity, obviously, as you get older. Um, but finding time either to, to practice or hit balls or work out or see an instruct how do you how do you approach that i mean i know you're kind of playing this thing off where you kind of you show up you have a cocktail talk to people on the range and go shoot 68 um that's not there has to be a little bit something more to it than that so how do you keep your game sharp when you have limited time to do so uh, well I, I think or, or or did i hit it right the nail on the head you show well, up have a cocktail and shoot 68 you nailed every aspect of that. That's except bullshit. The, Come on. Except for the shooting 68. Other than that, you nailed it. I I don't remember the last time I hit golf balls or chips or putted um, outside of a tournament. Uh, I don't think I've done that in the last three or four years. Somehow this philosophy works for me. I'm not going to say it's going to work for everyone, but I basically show up at, uh, during the practice round and figure out which way the ball is going and, and kind of try to get the, the green speeds down and then refuse to hit any chips or pitches off tight lies. And that's just my philosophy and that's, what's been working. So I'm going to stick to it. All right. Let me just digest that to figure out what I'm going to ask you because that's, <laughs> that's a lot for me. Okay. So what you're saying, let's see if I understand this, you show up at a tournament and you really aren't sure if you're going to be hitting the ball left, right, straight, high, whatever. But when you start playing your practice round, maybe halfway through you say, all right, it looks like, for example, I'm just not clearing, so everything is kind of moving right to left. I'm hitting a draw this week, so I'm just going to hit a draw. And then your short game is why try and get my touch back since I'm not practicing it anyway. So you're hitting, you're basically hitting putts off of any sort of lie where you can lay the sod over. Do I have it right? That's pretty much accurate, except for I've never seen my ball go right to left. So it's more how much is it curving left to right Got it. and then just adjusting for that. But but other than that, you, you, you nailed it. Okay. So really you're saying you're, you're – okay. All right. So then at, – at, at that point, once I understand kind of which way the ball – how much it's curving. Okay. The green speeds. I'm a good bunker player. I love – if I'm missing the green, I'm going to try to hit in the bunker, get that up and down. Then at that point, it's, all right, Where where's the food? Where's the buffet? Okay. And where's the bar? And let's, let's have a great week. Okay, so that just wiped out my next question about your, your, your mental preparation to compete at the highest level. So there really is none. I mean, you're just kind of showing up. And so do you try and just keep your brain in the, in the back of the hotel? Is that what you try and do? Um, I mean, I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. A lot of people listen. They're like, okay, this guy is playing in the Crump Cup. He's playing in the Thomas. He's playing in the Coleman. He's, he's you know, when, when's the Travis? I need to know the secrets. How's this happening? You can't just tell me I just show up and things happen. There's got to be more to it than that. Come on. Um, <laughs> I, I would argue that, you know, it, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say other than this process works for me. Okay. I, I would argue there's other mid-ams out there that maybe have a similar mindset, but maybe hit a couple more golf balls. But for the most part, you know, I, I, I do have a trainer, Billy Mitchell. I've, I've done four sessions with him in a year. And okay. so you're pretty serious about your fitness. I can tell I, I, well, look, it, it's my retort is, you know, Tigers had some injuries and John Daly, I don't know if he's ever been injured. So okay. I, I kind of like less is more and that's just working for me. You sound very defensive, Tug. I didn't call you a fat ass. I don't know why you're why you're like this. What's wrong? Um, I saw some of the pictures from the East West and I'm going to call my own. I'm going to call it a spade a spade and I'm looking a little heavy. So okay. this obviously will be, will be big for me. A lot of my, my, my lenses, there's some, there's some, uh, there's some issues with some of the lenses. It's probably just the lens that did that. So that's my, that's, that's my, that's just bad staff work on my, my part. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Would you like to talk about some, some fun stuff this summer instead of me just like, you know, drilling into you about your lack of preparation and your, your, your somewhat marginal fitness, uh, level for for golf let's uh this summer that you had i mean 
we're kind of going down an interesting path where people listening are thinking, okay, this guy doesn't practice and he just kind of shows him and does his thing. Um, you had a great 2022 kind of keeping this whole thing running where you play in the Crump at Pine Valley, you play in uh, the Thomas in, in at LACC, you're at Seminole for the Coleman. Um, before we talk about just this year and what you've played in and where you've traveled to, which is just insane. I thought I traveled a lot. When did, it's one thing to get back into it and play at the state level, but when did playing in those things like the Crump Cup start to become a reality? Because that's like the tick, that's the golden ticket for Mid-Ams. How do I get into that circle where I get to play in the big three? Great question. Um, it's, you know, happened in the last, I guess, two years. Um, 2019, playing the Travis, I was told, hey, go win something. Uh, and then, you know, ultimately you may get invited uh, to some of those events that you just mentioned. And, you know, somehow won the 19 Travis, like I said. And um, then COVID happened and I had to delay some of these really cool invites until 21. But, um, yeah, I, I've, you know, I played the Crump in 21 and 22. And the Coleman this year, earlier in 22, was my first first one there. Uh, very humbling, 72, 81, 71. Uh, that sounds about right at the Coleman. That sounds about right for Seminole. It, it was uh, – I actually hit the most greens in the second round, even though the score didn't reflect it, which is just, I think, a testament to how difficult that place can play when the wind's up and it's firm and fast. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of everything's happened in the last two years. So I'm, I'm on a heater and I want to keep riding it and hopefully I can keep performing at some level that's acceptable for, uh, you know, the invitation. So I'm going to see if I can ask this in a delicate way that doesn't get you in too much trouble, but these are three iconic golf courses, Pine Valley, LACC and Seminole, three iconic mid amateur tournaments people listening that are kind of getting a good idea on what kind of a time you like to have at tournaments, which tournament, as far as how it closely adheres to your, you know, um, per personality, which one is the, the, the best time for you? Which one most closely fits Harold Maud the third? Well, I would argue the Gasparilla probably fits uh, me. Yeah, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that soon. But um, okay. yeah, uh, of, of the three that you just mentioned, um, they're all they're all unique in their own ways. And I would say maybe the Crump Cup has been the closest to my style, only because uh, you know staying on property, right? Uh, Short, short walk uh, from bed to bar is kind of more my style. Gotcha. Okay. that That's kind of what I was going for, and I pretty much knew the answer um, to that one. And, you know, one tournament that, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know where this tournament sits in the kind of, in, in the rankings as far as mid-amateur, senior-amateur tournaments, but it kind of, in my mind, it kind of sits on an island all by itself, uh, the Gasparilla in Tampa. Um, Palmasia, this is, I mean, I think it's a site of Walter Hagen's last, I think Walter, Walter Hagen, I know, won some money in a PGA Tour event at Palmasia back in the day. So this but this is such an I, I, incredible tournament. I've been fortunate enough. I played in it once, and I covered it last year and can't wait to come back next year. But uh, you're runner-up to, to Chip Brook in 21, and that tournament now that I've met you, gotten to know you a little bit, and that tournament, I mean, that has to be your major. I mean, is that the one you want to win the most at this point? I, I want to win it for a lot of different reasons. And, yes, I would love to be able to come back there every year without any sort of stress that I'm not going to get invited. The field is incredibly tough. Uh, you know, the selection committee's got a, a tough job because, you know, I think I've told 50-plus people, Hey, you got to play in this thing. I know everyone does that. So I, I know they have, they're way oversubscribed. Uh, they do have a qualifier, which is very unique for an for invitational tournament. It's nuts. It, it, exactly. And, you know, my ultimate goal is to never have to qualify for anything. So hopefully I can win uh, for a number of different reasons, but mainly so I can always come back. 
Yeah, I can't imagine that qualifiers have to be your favorite thing in the world. No, I I, I hate qualifiers. I refuse to participate in qualifiers. So <laughs> I did just, you know, somehow fudge my way along in all these events and continue to succeed at some at some some certain level, you know, play well and it all takes care of itself. Yeah, I think the first time I met you was at the 2021 Gasparilla. I'm I'm pretty sure it was in a practice round. But I do definitely have this this photo of you and Chip Bo- Chip Brooke drinking beer on the roof of the clubhouse. Um, I definitely have that one. Um, yeah, that tournament is just it's so special. And what's so crazy is that the well, not crazy, but what's so impressive is, man, the membership is just I mean, they are all in. I can't think of a membership that I see at, at tournaments around the country that is more all in than at the Gasparilla and Palmasia. The, the members treat it like a major and in turn that makes us feel like we're in a major yeah. and it, it's, it's unbelievable. I was, I was actually texting with Jack Compton this morning uh, about next year's event. And he and I met um, at the bar slash buffet after the first round last year. And we probably text each other, you know, a couple times a, a quarter and uh, yeah, it's just incredible that they, they all, support it have bought into it and just make it one of the the coolest events on the calendar every year we've been talking a lot about alcohol in this episode what is your drink of choice while you're playing i'm glad you brought that up i've been angling with coors light for an nil deal for Uh maybe this your reach will help me uh with that goal that's about the only goal i didn't complete uh this year but uh i'm a i'm a simple coors light on on ice um i think it's very refreshing it's a cool crisp uh taste and you know this isn't a commercial right now right you know this... uh, I, again i've I just i'm trying to okay i and i nil deal okay all right all right let's start over okay let, let's give your go ahead give your best ad read now i'm out of it i i, oh, I can't replicate it? Oh, okay. that, that was it okay yeah, i mean i can put some music underneath it or i mean we can make it really a thing if you'd like uh, i i yeah, I'd love that. All right. Uh, All right, so 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 Coors Light on ice, so basically beer flavored water, and then like when at when when the the when the stress and strain of all this competition is over with, I can't believe I said that with a straight face. But when that's over with, then what do you do? Uh, well, I typically, you know, like to continue to ask my fellow uh, competitors how their rounds went, and after about five seconds of listening to that try to switch it and start telling funny stories i understand that makes sense but get get their bullshit out of the way so we can angle the conversation back to you where it belongs pretty well pretty much but you know i i i i joke i kid uh i i love every single guy uh that you know plays in these events there's an incredible crew it's honestly the best part of of the cockpit circuit you know just the, the various guys uh you know who I see every week at these events and we just have a blast. We're all in the exact same stage of life and, you know, so, so pictures of our kids and tell funny stories about, you know, the dumb stuff that we've done. And it's just, it's a great hang. It's the best part. Your summer included, I guess you go on this, this stretch. We talked about this before the episode started trying to figure out, okay, how, how, you know, where have you been? And I guess it all started at crump. Uh, which you had a really nice uh, uh, finish there, finished in the uh, in the semis, losing to Stephen Bear, who uh, who went on to win the the crump this year. I still need to track that guy down and talk to him. Nicest guy in the world. You would not think he's a he's a world beater, but he sure is. You, you'll think he's a world beater when he steps on your throat in a match. Uh, right. Dude, Stephen is the nicest guy. He and I probably have uh, very wildly different uh, philosophies on the golf game, but. I can flat out play and you know unfortunately I didn't take care of business down the stretch he he did and you know he, he and ultimately won which is incredible first time ever seeing the golf course and it's just it's incredible but uh yeah the, the crop was a special week for me um you know didn't have much form going into it and somehow found it and uh from there yeah the the rest of the the year it's been incredible you uh you hit the crumb cup then you go to oakmont for a little bit of work uh work related golf then you take a week off then you go to a hoopy match club in south carolina got to get some stuff done there then you jump out to california this is still the summer we're talking about you jump or, or the fall you jump out to california 
uh, missed the cut in the four ball qualifier with Sawin. Um, and then, you know, not to gloss over all of that, cause that's enough as it is. Then you go on this three week run of playing team matches. And the first one is in Korea. So you go to play in the bridges cup. This is, um, talk about this one. This one is, you know, we're going to get into East West matches. We're going to get into the concession cup, but I don't think enough people know about the, about the bridges. Talk to me about the bridges. So the bridges cup was brand new this year for first playing, um, 8am golf was approached by CJ, uh, CJ corporation. They wanted to create a, you know, elite mid-am senior uh, style Ryder cup event, USA versus the world. And Hoyt McGarity, Trey Ritchie, the guys at 8am, uh, created this event. It was incredible. It was a week, um, down at nine bridges in Jeju Island. Unbelievable. The, the, probably the, the, greatest trip i've ever been on uh just from the the logistics to the guys that were there to the the golf courses the entire just trip was was spectacular unforgettable um yeah so we spent i guess seven or eight days in south korea what else did you do in 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 korea when i guess you weren't on the golf course like what other activities were there because i mean culturally it has to be something you've never experienced no um the, the entire country uh, was extremely, you know, nice, kind, considerate. I mean, just so over the top, made us feel very welcome, you know, to be in their country. Uh, there was a lot of um, Korean barbecue consumed. Of course, of course. There was uh, some soju, which is oh, uh, kind of their, their version of, of sake, you yes. know, kind of like type thing. Um there were some some beers consumed. Uh, I, I did find out that their their country, at least where we were, uh, very beer, uh, you know, specific, less kind of liquor, which played perfectly for me. Um, yeah, we, we really didn't get a chance to uh, sightsee or, or do any of the touristy type stuff. Uh, it was it was pretty heavy on golf. But our last night, we went out in, in Gangnam, uh, which is kind of the you know, the ritzy high-end area of Seoul. And uh, we had a lot of fun um, a little bit later than I think most of us had planned on. But it was it was a great trip. Yeah, I, I was at a bachelor party in Vegas and um, soju was consumed. That was a big mistake. That, yeah. that can, you know, the problem is that there's not a lot of alcohol content. So you drink way too much of it and then it just hits you like about two hours later. And that's a big problem. So, yeah, I, I think that that that's I'm going to stick to that story. That That's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. See, that's what happened. See, I'm just helping you out. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, well, you, you come back to the States and then it's right back again and you're playing in the East West matches. And this is at Merido. This was another incredible um, uh, team event that was I mean, this is basically just in its second uh, second edition, um, you know, something that Scott Harvey put together and then Albert Huddleston at Merido has just been a big part of that concept as well. Um, this, I guess, is a little bit more of a home game. Obviously, you're not playing against the internationals. You're not playing against the world. I mean, you're playing against guys that you have a lot of experience against that you see all the time. This, I, I kind of feel that this one, not to put anything against the Bridges or against the Concession Cup, but having it be East and West, everyone's an American I see maybe a bigger growth potential for this one where it could get, you know, at that level where everyone wants to get on that team. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I will just say that uh, two years ago, the first playing of the East West matches, I, I was very interested in the, the leaderboard, you know, the standings. Yeah. And I think I was maybe the last person out from the auto exempt. And, you know, I, I was kind of new to the world. So no one, you know, really knew me. I did not get a captain's pick. I was really bummed. And I, I, I definitely had that one kind of earmarked that I want as a goal that I wanted to play on that team this year. And uh, luckily, you know, kind of right in the nick of time, had some success at, at the Crump. And uh, that's when Scott mentioned that, you know, that was enough to give me a captain's pick. And the, the event was incredible. Obviously, as you mentioned, just, you know, knowing everyone there, um, the, the, the level of, of, you know, play was extraordinary, you know, meeting the, the college guys, you know, 
uh, was so much fun. Um, and just watching them play golf, you realize how, how far, uh, you know, behind I am compared to, to those guys. You know, they're, they're just incredible players and, you know, are going to have very bright futures um, in whatever, you know, professionally or, or if they, you know, stick to the amateur circuit, they're, they're going to be world beaters. Uh, but that, that event was really special. As you mentioned, uh, the East, or maybe you didn't mention it, but the East team prevailed, which uh, I, I know. I, I figured the, you'd throw that in there. So yeah. I, well, I had to. Yeah. I had to only because, you know, the, the first one was so tightly contested. And uh, Captain Crosby, you know, had it on his to-do list for us to get that win. And luckily we did. What do you think about that guy? <laughs> uh, I love I love Captain Crosby. We we. We had a lot of fun together. I think we share a lot of uh, similarities. His golf game is probably better, but uh, he and, he had a very strict curfew that, um, unfortunately, some of us maybe missed one night. But you know, we still performed the next day. So I think uh, maybe that curfew got moved for some of us. So it was it was pretty special. He's I, a great guy. I, I heard I heard rumors about some sort of a um, uh, kind of like a, a late night study session or, or brain teasers working on crossword puzzles or is it can you confirm anything about that am i right or wrong am i missing something but i something about that where like he was i guess probably just getting you mentally prepared for the following day we we had a we had a strategy session uh, at the hotel bar okay and, and that strategy involved uh, crossword puzzles which is a great prop that i'm going to introduce uh into my my repertoire um when i when i'm yeah looking to impress uh people <laughs> of the opposite sex uh-huh okay yes yeah. that's, that's probably the most politically correct way I, I can put that and uh no we, we had a lot of fun it was a, a late night uh after a very successful first first round first day and um we luckily did not replicate that any other nights well i I look at the East West matches and I'm glad you brought up the, the uh, fact that the college uh, players were there. There was for the East, you had Caleb Saratnia, Nick Dunlap. Uh, and then on the West side, there was Luke Potter and Derek Hitchner. And I guess the one thing that I liked, I like about that is, you know, nobody has it better right now than, than college players. And I actually don't think the pros have it any better than the college players because the college players get, the great travel and the food and the lodging, obviously the pros are the very, very, very top are making a ton of money, but um, college players, they get to play these sweet golf courses and, and everything's taken care for them. Mid-Am's at your level at the high end of the cocktail circuit. That has to be a close second. And I really enjoyed the fact that they could see that, huh, uh, th- th- well, I guess they have jobs and then they just get to travel and play at places like Merido and, and, and Pine Valley and they get to do all this stuff. It's nice that, you know, everyone can see that being a, you know, the mid-am and the senior-am circuit's pretty damn sweet. I mean, did, I mean, did, did you ever imagine when you're on the mini tours, forget about like, I'm not going to ask you what you thought about when you're at Marion, but when you're helicoptering six irons into a gator-infested pond in your mini tour days, did you ever think that, yeah, I'm going to take some time off and then I'm going to go back and represent my country and then, you know, go play at Pine Valley. No, no, that was never a thought. And by the end of the, the mini tour run, it was pretty much, I'm never going to play this game again. Wow. Uh, but, but no, it, it's, it's incredible. I, I, I knew a little bit about kind of the mid am circuit. Uh, only because the, the very first time I actually ever went to Pine Valley was watching the final round of a Crump Cup, probably in 95, 6, 7, somewhere in that range. And, um, you know, being able to tee off there on the first round last year was sort of an out-of-body experience. I remember thinking, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old, how cool it would be to one day play in that tournament. Outside of that that event, I didn't really know, um, you know, much about some of these other mid-am events. And I, I tried to tell, you know, Nick and Caleb and, and Derek and uh, Luke, you know, about, you know, some of the events that I was, you know, I just got back from South Korea. I was getting ready to go to Spain and, you know, they were listening, maybe half listening, but I think, you know, they saw that it is a pretty cool path. Um, you know, if, if the professional tours, you know, don't pan out, 
you can always come back and, and still play and get some competitive juices going and play some incredible places and meet some incredible people. They, they hopefully listen, but you know, I don't know. I, I'm still texting with some of them trying to impart wisdom. I mean, I, I don't see when I think of today's youth and today's, you know, top college players, the first person I would think of that they should try and model their, their lives and careers after would be, would be Harold Maud the third. I mean, I mean, I think you're doing the Lord's work is what I'm trying to say. Well, I agree. Yeah. You know, I'm a giver. Uh, yeah. if, if they can, you know, maybe, uh, go the opposite direction, I think they'll be okay. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about before I let you go, because I'm sure you have a, a Pilates class or some sort of a Peloton marathon session you're getting ready for right now, um, which which is full credit to Billy Mitchell. Um, you your day job is kind of funny when we're when I'm looking at what what path you've taken. Uh, we both kind of had similar day jobs kind of right out of uh, college where they were, um, you know, sales and account oriented and more closely to a nine to five. And my my career path has has gone in a complete 180, and and I get to do this for a living. And now you've kind of embarked on a, on a different path, um, where you are now your director of market development at In Town Golf Club. Now, I know what it is, but I want to make sure that you're explaining it to the listeners uh, correctly. So, talk to me about In Town Golf Club. I joined I joined the team January of this year after, as you mentioned you know, being at Comcast for 13 years and the, the team at InTown is incredible. It's, we're, you know, we're small. Um, we've got one location in Buckhead, uh, which is in Atlanta. It's a social club for, you know, people who love golf and we've got 10 TrackMan simulators. We've got a full, full food and beverage offering breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, you know, TVs, great bar, Coors Light. Uh, you know, a, an outdoor putting area with cigar, you know, kind of, you know, fire pit uh, type setup. And honestly, it's, it's been a, a just a perfect scenario for me. The, the team has, you know, suggested I continue to play golf and, and continue to, you know, kind of talk about in town to folks. Uh, my job is to bring it to new markets. We're, we're opening our second location in Charlotte in early 23. And we've got a, an aggressive growth plan to try to get to 15 different cities over the next five years. So uh, it's been an incredible fit for me um i i am sort of laughing tongue-in-cheek i i i do hit golf balls indoors at in town uh i do not practice outdoors just as you know level set there but um that's just work-related marketing activity that's not practicing that's not tug mod practicing his golf game that's tug mod just you know showing the business and, and showing the business model that's all you're doing right Exactly. Exactly. I mean, all, all of these trips are all business at, at heart, you know. Yeah. So you playing golf in Korea and then Dallas and then, oh, we, oh, we completely forgot to mention. Yeah. You just went over to the play in the concession cup in Spain. Um, so yeah, that's the, that was the cap end of your summer where the U S had a great comeback to win that. But yeah, you're just doing this just to help grow the business. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'm a businessman at heart. So, yeah, so this is basically, from what I'm understanding, it, it, it's not predicated on location or it's not a green grass facility. It's literally just kind of a, a, a clubhouse without the golf course and then simulators and just more of a social aspect to it. Exactly. It's membership-based. Um, yeah, so we're a little bit different than Top Golf and Five Iron Golf, and we we have incredible demand in Atlanta. Um you know, enough to open a, a second location, but we're you know going to try to be a little bit more strategic, open a few other markets before we come and open our second one here in Atlanta. But it's, it's, it's been really incredible. The, the membership is uh, for top notch. We've got a lot of great people and, you know, the, the, the ultimate goal was how do you, if, if you're 28 years old, you're new to a market, you love golf, uh, Atlanta's tough with, with public golf. You know, the wait, wait lists, you know, most of these clubs are five to 10 years. You know, what do you do? And this concept, uh, you know, was started uh, by Michael Williamson, our CEO and founder. He, he had installed a simulator in his house and had some people over and they had a blast and kind of said, hey, would this be a way to, to offer golf to you know people that love it but don't have, you know, the green grass access? So, yeah, we, we are a club without... Uh, you know, a superintendent is essentially the, the, the gist of it. 
And I'm guessing that if you're a member at one, you can probably stop by another one if you're on a business trip. Yeah, absolutely. As soon as we get, you know, our second one open, you'll have full access to yeah. both. Ultimately, you know, if we get 20, 25 open, you know, that's going to be in the major cities and it'll be a cool little perk if you, if you do travel for business, or, you know, if you're in a, a different city. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Tug, I, I have a feeling that we could probably go and continue this episode for hours and hours just based on stories because I think you're a collector of relationships and a collector of stories in your travels in, in the mid-amateur game, and I'm sure that's only going to grow. Um, I, 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 I seek a, a, some sort of a captaincy for you for the East team in, in years to come. I mean, I think that's just a given. So um, going in that direction – I think the only proper way to close out this episode is I'm going to just, I'm going to mention a teammate's name on the East and let me see if there's a story you can share and we'll, we'll just cut it to one story. So um, give me a good Andrew Bailey story. All right. So, so Andrew Bailey and I met at the Gasparilla in 2020, my first playing, we played with Phil, Philip Real, uh, who's from West Virginia. We had an absolute blast as the golf course was, Completely kicking our ass it was the second round it was 40 degrees blowing 30 miles an hour and let's just say that uh after you know uh, multiple double bogeys by all of us on the third or fourth hole um philip suggested we uh maybe drink something from one of the bartenders that was warm and uh and very strong and we we proceeded to follow his lead uh and i think by the end of the round andrew and i uh, I can't remember who was keeping score. I think it was Phil. And let's just say that Andrew and I had to double check and change five or six of our scores because uh, of the perfect the, that that uh, decision early early in that round. But uh, Andrew's a great player. He and I played together in the final round of the East West uh, during the singles, and he flat out play. He was elevating his game in the middle of the round, and unfortunately, my game was pretty flat. But. Uh, <laughs> Elva player, he's a great person, and I could literally do that about every single person on that team uh, because they're all just you know incredible. Yeah, that East team uh, that that was, I mean, gosh, it was a twenty point victory. Uh, I think for the for the future of East West matches, you obviously want them to be super close at all times. I mean, know that you're rooting for the East, but uh, but yeah, that was quite a uh, performance in the singles um, by the East team at Merido. It, it it really was, and. Uh, you know, I, I would argue the concession cup final singles maybe was slightly more impressive. Yeah, uh, you guys were down five going into the final day, and you, you come back against uh, GB and I, and and you actually had a, you had Kalen Rafferty in the in the in the singles match, a Walker Cupper. Kalen and I uh, hit it off immediately, as uh, I did with Matt McLean and Hugh Foley, you know, the other Irish boys, uh, the very first night, and. <laughs> I, I guess maybe foolishly suggested to Keelan that he and I play our singles against each other. I then found out at the opening ceremony that he was a past Walker Cupper and, you know, as high as 16 or 17 in the world. And I thought, oh, God, maybe, I, maybe I've overstepped a bit here and somehow, uh, you know, was able to, to close him out on 18, one up. And that was, that was pretty cool when Danny Yates came up to me and gave me a huge hug and said, I knew you could do it. And, you know, that's, that's something I'm going to take with me for a long time and hopefully continue to build on it. Um, is a Walker Cup out of the realm of possibility for you? Uh, not as an assistant uh, to the assistant vice captains. That, that's what I'm angling for. Uh, I was I was pitching McCoy on that pretty hard, and I've pitched Nathan on that as well. I, I think, you know, again, a little bit like Kevin Kisner at the uh, – was that the President's Cup this year? I think so. Yeah, uh, I, I I think I could, you know, just be there to help, you know, towel people off and, and you know get some cold beverages, you know, water, Gatorade, things like that. Maybe loosen up the uh, team room in between rounds or, or you know after rounds. I, I think that's that's probably a little bit more my speed. I uh, I don't I don't think Evan or or Stu are, are shaking their boots quite yet, but. Maybe some more concession cups. I, I kind of like the mid-am Walker Cup angle a little bit better. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, this was fun. I have a feeling this will be the first uh, of, of, of many times you will appear on this podcast because uh, I, I think people listening just 
you know, they, they, they're gleaning so much information about your, your practice habits and your fitness and your attention to detail. That's really what I'm taking away from this episode. Um, congrats on a, a great summer, and I will see you at the Gasparilla. And uh, enjoy the holidays. I'm glad you stopped by the back of the range. Thanks, Ben. This was awesome. And there you have it. Special thanks to Tug Maud for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every single episode can be found at thebackoftherange.com. Wishing you all a very Merry Christmas, and I'll see you next time here at the back of the range.